Welcome to the second episode of the Red Rock Seminary podcast series. I am your facilitator, Nathan Diltz, and I couldn't be more excited to be with you. In this episode, we'll be covering the first of the eight doctrines of Christ. Uh, We'll be covering belief or faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm excited to get started with you on this journey. Before we do, let's go ahead and just have a quick word of prayer together. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful for this time and this opportunity to meet together in thy word to to try and draw inspiration and insight through the Holy Ghost. We pray and ask at this time that as we share and discuss these doctrines of Christ and and today as we discuss faith in Jesus Christ, that this will come alive for us, that I will be able to share with the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, that those who listen today will be able to receive with the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and that the things we discuss will be more than just ideas about God, ideas about Jesus Christ, but these things will become real and living to us. Please empty my heart of any agenda, of any vainglory or selfish ambitions. Help and please allow that any teaching or truth sharing that happens here will be to thy glory and that those who receive thy word will do it with thanksgiving to thee. And these things we pray for in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Uh, This is something new I'm trying out. Um, I'm really hoping it will help with the quality of what is shared. uh, And I'm really hoping that it will draw us to a alignment of of goals and, and what we're trying to achieve here. Okay, so last time we talked about the eight doctrines of Christ, and, I, and I'm excited that we got to share and discuss that and explore that both in 3rd Nephi and 2nd Nephi. And that's so important because I think too often when we don't have clarity, when we think there's a million doctrines out there and, and so many things we don't understand, that it can be a little overwhelming and even at times discouraging, especially when we realize how uh, short, we sometimes fall in our in our day-to-day efforts at discipleship. But when we really narrow it down and realize that, no, no, when Christ came in 3 Nephi, he came down and he said, look, all of the extra stuff, all of the disputations, all the arguing, all that's going to, I'm putting all that away. And here are the doctrines that are mine, that are given me from the Father. This is the real stuff that leads to relationship with Christ and leads to real discipleship. Uh, We sometimes get crowded and clouded and confused about our path and and following Jesus Christ and being a disciple. And uh, I'm going to be blunt. I've had a family and loved ones that I've known, friends, who have sadly become um, disaffected, 
Some have even left uh, the church because they felt like they couldn't run and keep up with all of the programs and the expectation. And, you know, as often as I tried to share and discuss with them and, and point out that, you know, people make errors, institutions have shortcoming, but it's really about the gospel of Jesus Christ, too often they were just burnt out. They had taken cultural aspects, uh, they had taken programs or or these, you know, mountains of tasks, responsibilities, and expectation, and they allowed it to crush them. And I want to be able to offer up the eight doctrines, the eight doctrines of Christ from the scriptures as an antidote to that, because I have a feeling in much the same way he did with those who are in North America a couple thousand years ago. If he were to come down and visit us today, he'd say, oh, let's, let's put all the extra away. Here's what's really important. And it centers in these eight doctrines of Christ. And the first one is faith in Jesus Christ. And this is so, this is so important. And this is so um, unbelievably daunting to try to address this with real power and it, this can only be really shared through and by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost because I'm essentially asking everyone out there to exercise faith in a being that they have never seen, never heard, never spoken with. I mean, it's it's an enormous thing to stake your soul your eternal soul's salvation on a faith in a being that for some is very remote and perhaps non-existent. And it's like, how do, you know, I was raised, I was trained and raised up with these beliefs and these concepts and principles being taught to me. And so, you know, from a very young age, I was taught faith in Jesus Christ. I was taught stories about Jesus and and I was taught all these things that you know I just accepted because they were given to me. And there comes a point I believe in everyone's life whether you were raised with that sort of a background having been raised with the teachings or the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, whether it be from an LDS background or a Christian background or but there comes a point where everyone has to pause and say, okay, uh, this is what I was taught and handed, but what do I really believe? And is this really real? And how do I come to have faith in, and faith not only just, you know, believing that he was historically possibly there and, and maybe some of the, you know, as modern writers and journalists and things would, would frame it, they'd say, you know, is a historical figure with this mythology built up around how, how do I place my salvation in the hands of of that? And um, there's a couple of things that I want to tackle as we begin to talk about faith in Jesus Christ. And the first one is this. Uh, faith is not an intellectual pursuit. Faith is not a 
endeavor to historically or journalistically uncover the realities of a historical person. Uh, Faith is really about a relationship. You often hear Protestant Christians um, talk about this idea that, oh, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. I actually agree with that 100%. What's frustrating is sometimes when this gets put out there, there's not a lot of discussion or follow-up to explain, okay, well, how do I have this relationship with somebody I've never seen or met? And um, first thing I want to talk about is that that is a really, really profoundly important question. And I believe there is a reasonable, rational, and spiritually satisfying answer to that question. And that's found in the scriptures. And then the first thing I want, and in addition to that, in addition to that, I want to tweak our definition of faith. Faith is not a belief in, in the sense of, okay, I'll accept or believe in the possibility that this you know, person lived 2,000 years ago and, and that he did all these things, you know, up to and including the atonement, uh, the crucifixion on the cross. You know, it's not an intellectual belief. Like I said, it's a relationship. So the definition of faith that I'm going to be working with from here on out as we discuss this first of the eight doctrines of Christ, the first uh, thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the definition of faith as trusting loyalty. And I'm going to put it in the context or the framework of a family, a relationship between a husband and a wife. When a husband and a wife wake up in the bed in the morning, the wife doesn't look over and think, hmm, you know, I, I believe that's my husband. I That that fellow there lying next to me in bed, yep, yeah, he, he looks like he, by all appearances, he, yeah, I believe he's my husband. No, that's a granted, that's a given, uh, you know, especially the longer they've been married. They might, they might do that the first morning, <laughs> but after you've been married a while, there actually comes a point, I think, um, you'll find that this is true uh, for the younger members of the audience who are not yet married. You will find a very interesting point in your marriage where you'll one day realize that you have a hard time about, you have a hard time thinking about a time when your wife wasn't in your life. In fact, there are times where I will sometimes think about my memories back in high school or grade school or middle school, and I'll somehow have a sense that she was there, even though, in fact, she wasn't there at all. But it's it's funny how we'll kind of in, incorporate these people that we've taken into our lives and, and just sort of have a sense of them always having been there with us. So as I say, when, when the husband and wife wake up in the bed in the morning, they turn to each other. They don't sit there and say, you know, I, I believe you're my spouse. No, that's, that's a given. Faith, when we talk about faith between a husband and wife, is about trusting loyalty. It's about, it governs the way they interact with each other. And this is a perfect way to frame the faith that we're talking about in the scriptures and the faith that we want to have in Jesus Christ. It goes beyond an acceptance of him as a historical reality 
the acceptance of his divine role in our Father in Heaven's plan. It goes beyond an acceptance of what he did for us, the things he taught us. It goes beyond all that, and it gets to this level of trusting loyalty where it shapes our interaction with him and with the world. And that trusting loyalty, that faith in Jesus Christ is what we're going for here. And so it comes to this, you know, I just use the example of a husband and wife waking up in bed and, you know, it's real easy to have trusting loyalty or faith in somebody that, you know, I can wake up every morning and be like, oh, yeah, she's still there. She's real. I, I didn't just dream up the fact that a girl was crazy enough to marry me. I, I now have to approach, okay, how, how do you have this kind of transformative faith, this trusting loyalty in a being that arguably you may intellectually accept, but how do you have a relationship faith, a faith built in trusting loyalty? And for that answer, I'm going to turn to the book of Genesis. And we're in the 24th chapter. And in the 24th chapter, Abraham's son Isaac has come to an age where marriage is on the table. However, Abraham is deeply dissatisfied with the local girls. There are frankly a lot of ladies in his neighborhood that he doesn't want his son to have anything to do with. So he's in a real dilemma. He, his son needs a, a wife. And so he calls a servant and he, he has him swear an oath. And he's going to send his servant back to his hometown to go find a good hometown girl for Isaac to marry. And if you, you can read the, uh, this story in Genesis 24, and they have this dialogue and they make this promise and this oath. And so in full faith, the servant loads up camels and he heads out and he goes to Abraham's hometown, his, his home country. And he gets there. And many of you will remember this story. This will be familiar to you. But when he gets there, He's wiped out, he's tired, he's thirsty, his camels are all worn out, tired and thirsty. But he doesn't delay, even for an instant. He says, Heavenly Father, please bless that uh, as these maids are coming to draw water from the well, that please, you know, whoever should be my master's son's wife, have her, you know, offer me water. And then in addition, without me asking for it, please have her water my camels and let that be a sign to me that I'll know that this is who you want for my master's son. And he offers that prayer. And as you know, of course, that prayer is answered. And that's answered in the remarkable woman that is Rebecca. And Rebecca draws that picture, offers it to Abraham's servant. Then she, without being asked, draws water and waters all of his camels. And of course, he's celebrating and rejoicing in the mercies and the tenderness of God that he so swiftly and with clarity answered his, his prayer and his petition. And so this is where the story, I'm using this to talk about faith in Jesus Christ. This is actually where the story is just getting started because he, of course, says to her, you're supposed to come home and marry my master's son. Well, she runs home and tells dad, and dad's, oh, you know, it's a little, any parent would be a little jarred if somebody's butler, you know, showed up 
servant showed up and said, oh, you know, I prayed and here was his hand. And, and yet through it all, and I imagine the Holy Ghost was instrumental. Rebecca, uh, I imagine being just the remarkable lady that she is, had her answer to prayer and received her confirmation from the Holy Ghost that yes, indeed, she was supposed to go with this man. Now, admittedly, I'm reading between the lines there, but uh, I think it's safe to say that she didn't just blithely accept this foreign servant's word. I think she may have had, you know, some exchange with with God and, and received the confirmation of this. That's my projection, but I am admittedly reading between the lines there. But here's the thing I want you to grasp, and this is where our discussion of faith in Jesus Christ begins. It begins on the journey home. So they have to now travel for several weeks through the desert, and she is going to go and marry a man that she's never met or seen before. So what do you suppose that entire journey as she's swaying side to side on the back of the camel, what do you suppose she's doing that entire time? Now, if I were to guess, I'm guessing that she's now looking over and saying, hey, uh, Abraham's servant, uh, help me out here. So, Isaac, tell me what kind of man he is. And I imagine she probably picked the brains of every single camel boy and servant in that caravan, asking for any and all the details about Isaac, hearing all the funny stories about him growing up, maybe some of the embarrassing stories, maybe some of the... Uh, and as she heard these stories, before she ever met him, I think she might have had an idea of who she was writing to Mary. And this is a great analogy for developing trusting loyalty, for developing faith in Jesus Christ. It first of all begins with a desire, a desire for that re relationship. And, and it means we're going to step out into an open, unknown wilderness with unknown companions on the back of an unknown animal. We're going to start moving towards that direction. And in the meantime, we begin, we begin by hearing the stories of the master, or excuse me, the master's son. We start hearing about all these stories, and we start asking for details. What's his temperament? Uh, what does he like? What are his dislikes? What are... What does he look like? You know, these are the questions that begin to be explored. And faith or trusting loyalty in Jesus Christ happens very much in the same way. In the book of Romans, uh, Paul, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Paul says that faith cometh by hearing the word and Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And here, Paul explains that as people are taught about Jesus Christ and are taught about who he is, what he did, you know, the things that 
that begin to shine a light on him and help us come to know who he is. There, uh, the Holy Ghost, whose primary responsibility, whose prime uh, mission and purpose is to testify of Christ. The Holy Ghost, when an individual hears, comes in and gives that confirmation, gives that sweet assurance with the still small voice that the things that we are perceiving, the things that we are learning and hearing about, that they are in fact true. And transformation and trust begin. And that comes with hearing. And then in Helaman, in Helaman chapter 15, 7 through 8, we learn that, uh, Behold, you do know of yourselves. Ye have witnessed that as many of them are brought to a knowledge of the truth and know of the wicked and abominable traditions of their fathers and are led to believe the holy scriptures, yea, the prophecies of the holy prophets which are written, which leadeth them to faith on the Lord and unto repentance, which faith and repentance bringeth a change of heart unto them. Therefore, as many have come to this, ye know of yourselves, they are firm and steadfast in the faith and in wherewith they have been made free. I love these verses uh, for so many reasons. One of the key reasons I love these verses is there's this reminder embedded in the verse itself in verse 7 that holy scriptures are nothing more than the prophecies of the holy prophets. I think that sometimes we forget that when we're reading the scriptures in black and white, when we're, you know, sometimes <laughs> with a little bit of reluctance or drudgery, you know, passing our eyes over the words, or I think sometimes we forget that it's not a book. These were actual living men and women who had real encounters, real engagement with the divine, with Jesus Christ. And those interactions, those exchanges, they recorded those. And so whenever you read the scriptures, I hope that you step into them so that you hear them. When you read about the story of Rebecca with Abraham's servant, I want you to be sitting on the back of the camel with her as you're swaying side to side. Can you feel the hot air, the bite of the of the wind-driven sands, the smell of the rank camels? Can you hear the jingle of the of the various things tied to the camels as they're carrying them? Uh, can you hear the voices and the patter of the caravan servant? Like, step into it and realize, are you there with Abraham's servant as he's at the well? Can you hear him muttering under his breath in Hebrew, asking God to please show him who should be his master's son's wife? Like, when you step into the scriptures and you begin to hear them, and to smell them, to taste them, to feel them, and experience the Holy Ghost will come in, and he will 
enhance and make that experience real for you. And he will give you insight and assurance of their truthfulness. And this is so true with Jesus Christ. And so faith cometh by hearing the word. Faith comes by reading the word and stepping into it. And faith comes by experimenting. Take a chance. Try out what I'm saying. This challenge last time I gave you to pray and start having a dialogue with God and making that part of your prayer life, um, that's, that was an idol. Step into this. Give it a shot. Try it out. The worst that could happen is nothing. However, if you start experimenting upon God's word, if you, if you, like Rebecca, say, you know what? This could be all craziness. I could be let off in the middle of nowhere by, by a crazy guy with a bunch of camels. Yeah, How do I know that there isn't some like troll on the... Like, there's so many things that she didn't know, yet she stepped out in faith. And it wasn't that she was an absent-minded bimbo. No, it's you can you can build this trusting relationship with Jesus Christ rationally, reasonably, and more importantly, it can be real. And uh, just out of the gate, if you're yearning for this, if this sounds like something that you want to really nailed down. My first invitation with you is for you to go read Book of Mormon, 3rd Nephi, chapters 11 through 17. My favorite chapter in the whole Book of Mormon is 3rd Nephi 17. And I will tell you why. Um, the Gospels, the four Gospels, with their account of Jesus Christ and his ministry among the Israelites in the old world in Jerusalem. There's so many precious moments, so many amazing, amazing things you can learn there, especially as like I invited you to do as, as soon as you start stepping into the word and really hearing, seeing, tasting, touching, smelling, everything that's happening in there while the whole time you're praying and asking your Father in heaven, please tell me if this is true. Please let me know by the Holy Spirit if this is true. When you step into those things, there's so many valuable things in the Gospels. However, that whole time, Jesus Christ is perpetually under a staggering amount of scrutiny and stress. There's so many times where he is being questioned, or interrogated would be a better word. There's so many times he has to be on guard. We do get a few rare moments or glimpses when he's just speaking with his apostles or his disciples, and we see a little bit of him come out, and and we see a little more openness. And yet even there, um, there was some reservation because there were things that his disciples didn't understand or believe. For example, they didn't understand about the other lost sheep he spoke of. He tried to share with them, but they just weren't in the space to really understand that. And so 
But when you get over into 3 Nephi, especially in chapter 17, here Jesus Christ is among a remnant of the more righteous part of the people who do have faith in him and love him. And you get to see in chapter 17 the Savior completely unguarded, completely himself. I really feel like that. And that's the sense I get when I read that chapter. He's healed them. He's held each one of them. He's prayed with them. He's filled to joy to the point where he, the joy is spilling over his eyelids and down his cheeks. And you really get to see the Savior that I have complete trusting loyalty in. And I don't say that with any measure of self-importance, just the opposite. Just like you, I'm one of the multitude that are beholding this and in complete and utter awe and confounded by the fact that I'm experiencing this. And, and so if you're wanting to have this kind of faith in Jesus Christ, this kind of trusting loyalty that transforms the way you interact with him and with the world around you, I would invite you to spend as many times as you need to reading 3 Nephi chapters 11 through 17. Uh, like I say, my personal emphasis is on chapter 17. If you were to read that two, three times a day, for a week or two, asking the Holy Ghost to open that up to you, I can assure you that you will get that testimony, that conviction, born by the Holy Ghost, that not only is Jesus Christ more than a historical reality, more than the Son of God, but that He is your Savior, and that someday you will find yourself before Him. And he will take you up in his arms. And he will hold you and bless you. So, the first of the eight doctrines of Christ, faith in Jesus Christ. And this faith comes by hearing the word and by reading the word. I invite you to step up and step into the word of God and to find this Jesus that you may have heard so many others testify of and speak to. He's really there. And like I say, it's an initial leap of faith. As it talks about, faith is the assurance of things not seen, the evidence of things that are real. And uh, and that's what you're going to find here. Just like Rebecca, her Isaac was at the end of the journey, and he was very real. And and we will come to a point where we near with our veil, and then that veil will eventually be taken away, and and uh, we will enter into the house of the Master that we journey to find. Um, one of the uh, well, I'm just going to close with this. I'm going to tell you first of all that the uh, that the gospel's true, the book is blue. God loves you, and I do too. And I say these things 
um, with the prayer and the hope and the promise that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Um, so challenge for you this week. Um, read 3rd Nephi 17. Read it every morning and every night for a week. Do it for a week and take the challenge of staying in that prayer dialogue and asking for the witness of the Holy Ghost, asking for your eyes to be open and and try to have that experience of stepping into the Word of God and experiencing 3 Nephi 17 and really seeing the Savior um, as, as I believe you can see Him in no other place. And uh, so that's my challenge to you. And then my uh, resource that I'm going to recommend to you, I've got two of them. There's a terrific book written by Stephen E. Robinson called Believing Christ. I love this book. He did a masterful job of taking the intellectualized aspect of faith and saying, no, no, this faith is not an intellectual game. And it's an understandable trap we all fall into. We were raised in a Western culture, in a Western mindset, where knowledge is power and Knowledge is the goal, and understanding something is being able to intellectualize it. And there is some value and merit in being able to intellectually, you know, absorb something. I'm not saying that's without any value. There's certainly some value, but he does a terrific job of pointing out that that's not far enough. That there, we need to go beyond believing in Christ to actually believing Christ. We need to go beyond a belief in the possible historical, mythical, you know, person that is put out there as Jesus Christ to a point where, you know, we're believing in a real person who lived and who lives now and becoming alive in him. And he does a really good job of that in his book, Believing Christ. So if you're looking for something to listen, an audio book or to just pick up and read, I would recommend Believing Christ by Stephen E. Robinson. Um, I'm going to start... Uh, recommending a resource in terms of a song, something that inspires me. And the song or the hymn, it's going to kind of funny to refer to it as a hymn because you won't find it in the green book, although it would be marvelous if it found its way there someday. But there's a, you can YouTube this, you can go look it up. It's a song called Peace in Christ by McKenna Hickson. This song, I believe, was 2018 um, uh, Young women's or young men's theme uh, for that year, but it is a tremendous song, and the lyrics couldn't be more applicable to what we talked about today. So thank you for joining us. I need to give a special thanks and shout out to my technical producer, Alex Morrison. He's the one that has made his equipment and his expertise available for me to use to, to bring this to you. So a huge thanks to him. And the use of his time and his talents to this end, it's such a blessing. And I'm so grateful to him. And I am grateful for this time you have elected to share with me. And I hope it is, inspires you. And I hope that all of us can come to Christ and invite others to do the same. Mm -hmm.